I can't introduce this week's episode without at least a nod to the situation we all find ourselves in right now. Some of you are stuck at home with kids and no school, activities, parks, or playdates. Some of you are missing your kids or stepkids badly and worried about their well-being. Some of you have no salaries coming into the house at all, and some of you are running out of toilet paper. I'll be here no matter what coming to you directly from my socially isolated recording booth, sending good vibes and giving you something else to think about for at least a few minutes a week. Tracy here. Welcome to season two of the Essential Stepmom podcast. Unconventional advice and inspiration about the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Why unconventional? Because statistics show that nearly three-quarters of step-families don't last more than five years. So the conventional wisdom, the general consensus, the status quo are all leading stepmoms straight for the gutter. In this podcast, we look outside the box for better answers, for counterintuitive strategies to help us fight the instincts that don't serve us well and to grow a new parenting reflex that really supports us and everyone else on this crazy journey. This season will feature interviews with some of the most interesting people I know, sharing their outside-the-box expertise as it applies specifically to step-families. You're going to hear about modern Buddhism in step-parenting, the stress around money in step-parenting, new perspectives and insights about bio-moms, how to deal with the prospect of never having a child of your own, coping with burnout and adrenal exhaustion, and using the challenges of step-parenting to truly become that better version of yourself. My guest today fell in love with a man who was the father of three boys between the ages of nine and nine. That's not all. They had an older brother, and he was 10, and she had a four-year-old boy of her own. I won't give it all away, but that was 10 years ago now, and there's nobody in the world better placed than Lori Wilkins-Sims to tell you how to turn the heartbreak of wanting to just walk away into the total celebration of a great marriage and a loving, stable, blended family. Are there people who don't need to follow the advice? that saved Lori and David's marriage? Let's find out. Okay, Lori, I'm so happy that you're here again. We haven't actually done this for a long time, so thanks for being with us today. Yes, thank you. Um, And what I wanted to talk about today, because you are the nacho queen, and I just, you know, I've said this before, but I, I just think it's absolutely brilliant how you managed to coin this term that has so much meaning now for so many stepmoms, and for those who are listening who have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> what is nachoing? Nachoing. There's so much involved with nachoing. You turned this into a verb, eh? Like it's gone from being a noun to a verb. Now we talk about nachoing. Yes, yes, it has. Do you have, do you have a quick, like a, a quick sentence? Well, let me just say real quickly, it is not just disengaging because that's what a lot of people think is nachoing is just disengaging. It's not. It is stepping back, letting the parents parent. It is finding what role that you fit in as a step parent. 
lowering your expectations on the blend and realizing that you are not a nuclear family and you never will be. How was that? That, that <laughs> I think it sounds great to me, but I know that, that you just like stuck a knife in the heart of a lot of women who are listening right now. Mm -hmm. That sounds, that sounds sad. It's not sad. And once you let go of that thought process of wanting to be a nuclear family is freeing and you can create this quote, quote, blend and bond in a way that you would never have imagined. Yeah. I, well, I'm totally with you and you know that, but oh, I, I know. I've said before that, you know, when you let go of your image of how you thought it was going to be, you get to start working on your authentic relationship, like mm -hmm. what's really there in front of you. And right. that's really beautiful. Yes, it is. And it's okay if not everybody wants to sit down and have dinner together. That's not the end of the world. That was one of the things that David struggled with. He wanted everybody to sit down and have dinner together. Mm. Well, it didn't always work. My kid wanted to eat earlier or his kids didn't want to come down or it was just a bad situation to have us all in the room at some point. And guess what? That was okay. And we survived that there are much more important things to focus on. And one of those is your marriage or your relationship with your significant mm -hmm. other. Yeah, absolutely. So what I hope that we were going to talk about today is which situations are not right for nachoing or not conducive to trying this out or, you know, who maybe isn't a good candidate for the nacho method. So, okay. so, Let's think about that because I, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge that every step family is different and we can't pack everyone into the same mold. We're certainly not trying to do that. So right. let's identify which situations are not the right ones for not showing because you and I both know that there are a lot of stepmoms in the online world who say, oh my God, I could never do that. That doesn't suit me. I'm never going there. And, and, and honestly, part of the problem is because they're thinking from a nuclear family standpoint. I think that's probably true. Yeah. But there, uh, what I want to know is maybe there really are some stepmoms out there who don't need to look at the nacho method. Oh, there so, are. Definitely. So let's, let's think what, what situations might there be? Hit me. Okay. If the bio mom is on board with the stepmom, parenting her kid, you know, supportive of everything and looks at the stepmom as a third parent. Yeah. And it happens. We hear about it, right? There's right. People in your group and in my group online who, who have that kind of situation where right. the, the, the bio mom does consider you to be a third parent. But it's not, children. it can't just be that the bio dad has to be okay mm -hmm. with you. So if bio dad is okay with you parenting his kid and it doesn't cause friction and he doesn't feel like you're mistreating his kid or not being fair or, you know, things of that nature and the bio mom's on board with it. No, you don't need to nacho. Your life should be great. You should even be in a support group. <laughs> That's good. Okay. It's true. So I, I think another situation is where um, your husband, the bio dad or the bio mom. I mean, there, we have some two mom families listening where the biological parent that you live with mm -hmm. is, uh, 
completely supporting you in parenting the kids in everything that you do. And they, um, they don't just support you, but they make sure that the, their kids understand that they are giving you a parental authority, that right. they're, they're giving you their authority as a parent and that they expect the kids to listen to you. So where that's happening, you know, where your husband, your partner mm -hmm. is very clear with the kids that he expects them to respect you like a parent mm -hmm. and he follows through with that. Right. And you maybe don't need to uh, invest too much energy in learning about the nacho method. Right. So if, for instance, little Johnny's been a brat that day and you put him on restriction for three days because he's just been off the chain. Dad comes home and says, Hey, how was today? And you're like, well, I had to put little Johnny on restriction for three days because he was such a hellion. And he's like, Oh, okay. And then he talks to little Johnny. As long as dad doesn't go in there and tell little Johnny, no, you're not on restriction. Don't worry about that. As long as he 100% supports your decision and backs you up for those three days, not caving in on day one yep. or day two, complete 100% what you say goes, then no, you don't need to nacho. That's great. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I'm laughing because there just aren't very many. I mean, if you're listening right now and that's how it goes in your house, you have to know that you should be waking up every morning going, I'm so lucky. I am so lucky. Oh my God. I'm so lucky. Yes. Because that's, you know, that's a special, that's a special, wonderful situation. And we right. wish that everybody had that in their house. Yes. And it, I mean, let's be for real. Nuclear families don't even have that for the most time. That's true. Yeah. All right. So let's think, um, when the kids are little, mm. say that you've got a two-year-old stepkid. Mm. Well, the two-year-old hopefully is not mouthing off at you yet is not saying you're not my mom, I'm not going to listen to you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just not being defiant. Then you may not need to nacho. But there is a fine line in you playing in that role, that motherly role, and the expectations of being a parent are dumped on you by the other parent. Right. So for instance, a lot of times we see it in our group where the bio dad will tell the stepmom, well, if you have an issue with them, you tell them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like throw her under the bus. Totally. <laughs> and that's not going to work. So no. no, no. No. And the reason that it doesn't work, you know, as well as I do is because when you're not a biological parent, you don't have the, um, unconditional bond yes with that child that will support that degree of um you know of, of tension of, right that will allow you to uh to punish the child which is a really really vulnerable place for a child mm -hmm. so you know the you're not wired up for that you're right. not wired up for it and i think you're you have to accept that your relationship whatever it is is a, it's a lot more fragile than mm -hmm. a biological parent and you have to accept that that it's going to take some work and a different kind of work to build the lifelong loving relationship that you're looking for with this right. child mm -hmm. and if you are repeatedly uh, allowing yourself to behave as the bad cop in the household mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. that is not going to work out for you like 10 years down the road. Maybe it's going to work out for the next six months or year right. or until the mm-hmm. kid goes to school or whatever. But um, there was one really good uh, story in the book Step Families by Dr. James Bray. It's one that I really like. It's a, it's a, uh, a 10 year study of step families that are all stepdad families, actually, mm-hmm. his, his particular study. You know that book, right? And he talks about a family where they, where the stepdad had been this kind of the enforcer because that was the right vibe for their, in their marriage, you know, like the mom had married this guy and then she really wanted him to be the disciplinarian because that it felt right for her, for the family to work that way. And, you know, it was great until the kid got to be about 15 and then he just said, fuck you, I'm out of here. Like Mm -hmm. I got, I never had any use for you. And now that I'm old enough and big enough and I'm, you know, 16 or 18 or however old he was, but you know, he left and didn't look back because he hated being disciplined by that guy. Right. He had never liked it. So as soon as he was old enough to say it. Yeah. uh, And that's not what you're looking for, right? That's not the, the, that's not the relationship you're anybody's looking for. You know, we see it a lot of times in the Facebook groups where, someone will join the group and say, I have to admit a year ago, I thought this was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. And I thought you were insane. And I thought that it was a horrible thing. And people that nachoed were going to hell, (laughs) all this stuff. And then they're like, but I've got to do something. And, you know, it's really sad, Tracy, but it's the truth that people come to nachoing most of the time when they are at their wits end and they don't know what else to do. And they are on the verge of separation. Well, that's how you got there. That's exactly because if you would have told me this, and so that's why I don't think everybody's crazy when they think I'm crazy. If you would have told me that I needed to not be a quote, quote, parent to these stepkids and I needed to let David worry about feeding them and David worry about homework and David just almost be a single dad and us be married, I'd have been like, well, that's crazy. But something people don't realize is the kids, the biological kids need their parent to parent them. Absolutely. They need it as much as the parent needs to parent them. Now, we know the parents don't like to sometimes, and that's okay. But we also know that five years from now, things are not going to be the same as they are today. And we often have people ask us about how long do you nacho? Until you don't need to. As long as it takes. (laughs) Right. I mean, I still nacho certain things with David's kids. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, there's things that are what I would say none of my concern. Mm -hmm. There are things that I would say if I speak my mind about, it's not going to do anything but hurt people. Mm -hmm. So step back. Just keep nachoing. Yeah. Now, I want to address something else. A lot of times people will say, well, their bio mom is not in the picture Mm -hmm. or she's dead. So I can't nacho because they need a parent. They don't. They don't. I'm shaking my head. You can't hear that on the airwaves. I I know we're both shaking shaking our head. They don't need another parent. Granted, they may need a role model. They may need a mentor. They need to see that they're, bio parent is in a relationship with somebody that supports them and whether the bio mom is in jail in the ground just wherever in Costa Rica living life with somebody else they still have a mom they have a mom internalized inside them in their heart 
Yes. And um, we need to respect that. Mm -hmm. And the more you respect it, the more they will respect you and eventually love you for understanding what they need. That's what I think. And I just thought of another one, Mm -hmm. the Brady Bunch. Yeah. There was no need for them to nacho, mainly because they had Alice. Exactly. Alice cooked, she cleaned. They had a maid. Exactly. Exactly. And one thing I want to go back to real fast is when we were talking about if the child's younger and the stepmom is, you know, more involved and doing all these things and her not having that bond with them, eventually she's going to be, have resentment and she's going to be needing to take your burnout class. Yeah. Well, you know, just the other day, someone in my group wrote a post and part of it was about, I don't know, you know, adolescent kids, you know, getting in their teenage years where they're, you know, fighting back and Mm -hmm. separating from the breaking away from the parents. And, and she said, you know, and I've raised, raised this kid since she was three years old and I've cooked every meal for her. And I've, you know, like those feelings are going to start to creep up. You might think that you're just doing it because you want to now, Mm -hmm. but when you start getting pushback, you will start to feel like, hey, wait a minute, I've done all this for you. And this is what I get in return. Right. You know, and you have to know that uh, biological parents go through that all the time too. But in the context of being a step parent, if you think that you can just keep loving a child like they're your own, in spite of the fact that they're not loving you back Mm -hmm. in the way that feels right for you, if you think you can keep doing that forever, you know, talk to me in five years. Let me hear how that's working out for you. Nobody yep. can do that forever. You know, you'd be a saint. Yes. It's just, it just doesn't work. If you're, you're trying to love somebody who is not accepting your love and not reciprocating in any way or in a way that feels right for you, um, you burn out from that. You well, can't think keep about doing it. it. If you're in a relationship with somebody that treats you that way after you do all this stuff for them, eventually you're going to get tired of it and get divorced. But you can't divorce your stepkid. You just have to suck it up. (laughs) Just, yeah, just suck it up. That's all you can do. Another situation that occurs to me that is uh, one where the stepmom might not need to nacho is if, and it happens sometimes, that your stepkids are looking for exactly what it is that you want to give them, that you're somehow perfectly matched in your relationship so that whatever kind of mothering you want to do, that's exactly what they're looking for. And they're gobbling it up. And everybody's happy that they love, they love to meet you right where you are, uh, you know, connecting with them. Do those people have unicorns? (laughs) It's another unicorn, they, yes. I, but there are some, there are some in my group and I hear from them all the time where they just are in a big love affair with their stepkids and that, you know, everybody just enjoys being together and they're not a problem. You know, they, the, that the stepmom loves to cook for them and get clothes for them and do homework with them and they love to be with her and it's just a wonderful thing for everybody. And have I think have these people been together a while? Uh I think so. I think I'm, so. I'm just curious. I can see this happening for a brief time frame, but you know, like you said, once they hit adolescence, exactly. And like puberty, they, they, I think it, those kids are still little, and yeah, and not to forget that you know, I I always teach people um, 
uh, especially we're going to, I'm going to talk about this later, but my stepmom success lab is coming around again. We're going to open that up in April again. And uh, in that group, I teach about the stages of childhood development. I think it's so important to understand what happens at the different stages that kids go through uh, by nature, uh, that they, they have to pass through these developmental stages. So when kids are adolescents, it is their job to detach and separate from their parents. This is about individuation. It's about becoming adults and finding their own adult identity. Mm-hmm. They, they have to break away from that. That's why adolescents are so obnoxious. They have to say no. They have to say, you know, piss off. They, they have to be um, transgressive and mm-hmm. misbehaving and doing what's not allowed and, and getting grounded and get, you know, all of that has to happen. It's part of the, the hard work of separating from their parents. And when you become a parent, you get in line for that mm-hmm. kind of treatment. Yes. So that's not so fun. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from lots of women who are, you know, as you and I are 10, 10, 12, 14 years in, Mm-hmm. who are experiencing the the roller coaster of teenage years where like where where is my precious 6 year old gone who was you know who loved having me around and now I'm like the stepmom from hell well mm-hmm. you you know you won your badge and you get to line up to be part of the part of the adult world you know their adult support network that they have to disconnect from right so it's not all rosy forever. You know, there's stuff coming down the road for you if it hasn't yet. You know, um, I remember it was probably like Dr. Phil or something many, many moons ago. And he said something about nobody does anything unless they get a reward from it. Mm. And I was thinking, that's not true, but it is. Mm. That reward may be the, it makes me feel good to help other people. The reward may be, it makes me feel good to feel like other people need me. Right. So there is a reward to your actions or you wouldn't do it. Right. So let's talk about the stepmom that's doing everything. Like you said, she's done this for 15 years. Then all of a sudden it's the stepkid wants nothing to do with her. That's because her reward's missing all of a sudden. Mm. She's not getting that reward of, you gave up things for me. You made sure I had food and clothes. So that appreciation is not there. And also that biological bond is not there as there is with a parent. So that unconditional love's not there. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a conditional type love. Yeah, uh, that's true. We don't, we don't think about, I hope you can't hear my dog barking. My dog is kind of going apeshit in the background here. But anyway. I hope it's not coming through. Um, yeah, absolutely. I just last week or the week before um, on the podcast, I was talking about being a people pleaser and my journey with uh, coping with being a people pleaser. And um, well, yeah, it, like you can't ever get to be a, a really selfless person if it's if it's a a value if it's something that you're aiming for to be mm-hmm. selfless in life it's not selfless selfless as long as you're still getting something from it right even the the pleasure of of helping someone else you have to be okay with yourself if you choose not to not to do something 
helpful. Mm -hmm. You have to still be okay with yourself if you're not compelled to, to be helping and pleasing and giving and doing all the time. If you right. really want to be, if you really want to be somebody who is a, a generous, selfless person. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, uh, you know, if you're filling your own cup of okayness by, you know, like that you're, you don't feel good enough unless you're doing those things, then I'm sorry, but you're, you know, you're working on yourself by helping other people and much nicer to do that than to just be a dick and, you know, get, take, take what you want from everybody. But, but still there's a, there's an edge of that for sure. Right. Um, what about, um, you know, I, I think it's important to say that the, that, um, going the nacho route and using mm -hmm. the nacho method involves some element of being able to withstand the um, opinion of other people who don't agree with you in how you're choosing to do that. And people who are, so women who are just too sensitive to what other people think might, might not like to do the nacho method because they're yes. going to have to stand up to people who think that that's a bad idea. Well, here's the thing is not everybody needs to know what you're doing in the first place. It's your family. You do what works for you. Um, you know, a lot of people will go, well, how, what about when others say that they don't agree with you nachoing? I don't care if they agree with me or not. That's what I needed to do to save my marriage. And it didn't just save my marriage. It allowed me to, be, to build relationships with my stepkids that I never thought I would have. Hmm. And then there's the other side of it that, Tracy, I've noticed most people that do need to nacho are people that are very strong in their personalities mm. or type A. Not all of them, but if you, for lack of a better word, and I'm sure I'll make somebody mad with this, but if you are a yes woman, you're not going to need to nacho because you're a yes woman. You're doing what somebody else wants you to or tells you to do. So you're not going to buck up to it. And you're not going to get upset or you're not going to show that you're upset if little Johnny doesn't say hey to you when he walks in the room because you may be a people pleaser and you don't want to upset the apple cart. So it's just, well, that's okay if he doesn't tell me hey. Yeah. Whereas someone with a stronger personality be like, that brat walked in the door and didn't even tell me hey. Mm. You know, and it's where we have to look at our personalities. And that's one of the things that we do a lot in the Academy is look at people's different personalities and the whole love languages things. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more involved with the whole nacho kids method than just the stepping back and not doing anything with your stepkids. Right. You know, it's figuring out what your triggers are, being self-aware, changing your perception, figuring out what role that you're playing that is a negative role in this relationship because when you can step back and number one, <clears throat> sorry, when you can step back and number one, let go of those nuclear family expectations, you are kicking butt. Then when you can quit taking things personally, mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter if your significant other married the queen of England, the stepkids aren't going to like her anymore than they like you. It's yeah. not you personally. They are healing from a loss. They're trying to live two different lives. I mean, there's so much more to it. But, and then when you can get to the point that you can look at yourself and say, you know what? My attitude toward these kids is contributing to the destruction of our blend. 
that is when it's like the aha moment. Yeah. That's when you have reached the point that you are open enough to find fault in yourself in order to save your relationship. Wow. Yeah, I think that's big. And yeah. when you said aha moment, I've always said that this involves a kind of epiphany. It does. Part of the stepmom. It really is. And I, I, just, I just got a message uh, in our Facebook group, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago from somebody who said, you know, I just listened to your podcast and I, for the first time, I tried stepping back and, oh my God, how is it that I didn't understand this before now? Because it changed everything. Like it's been one day and my life has totally changed. Right. And, but you have to have that, you have to have that aha yes. to, to want to start doing it because it does involve seeing yourself, seeing, you know, being aware of your part mm -hmm. in this dysfunction. Yes. Yes. And you're so right. The aha moment. I mean, I still remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, you know, the counselor told me 862 times, they are not your kids. But then it was like, wait a minute, they're not my kids. <laughs> oh, and yeah. it, it was like the weight of the world was lifted off my yeah. shoulders. And, you know, the kids could instantly see a change in me because I wasn't so stressed. I don't care if you're the man, the woman or the kid, if you are just miserable, you're going to affect everybody else around you. Yeah. And once you change, you have a positive effect on everything around you. Absolutely. And one thing that um, I want to stress though, too, to your person that, you know, it's like, Oh, it's been one day. And yeah, yeah. she relieved the pressure, yeah. but there's so much more that she's going to have to do to work on to be able to what we call nacho properly yeah. or she's going to kick into why am I the only one changing? Why am right. I left out? Because yeah. that's part of the process too. Once you start feeling like, wait a minute, I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling excluded. That's when it's time to start reengaging slowly. Yeah. Well, I always say, when do I know when I need to reengage? When you start feeling not happy in the nacho role that you're right. doing. Right. You know, I remember sitting in the bedroom and hearing the kids laughing and my son was one of them and David and I'm like, Oh yeah, they're having that jolly good old time. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, I can be a part of the jolly good old time. <laughs> so I went in there, I engaged, I started talking to them, laughing with them. It probably lasted four or five minutes till one of the stepkids did something to annoy me that I thought David should correct him on. <laughs> And so that's when I stepped back, went back in the bedroom, started watching yeah. TV again. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fluid. And it is very fluid. It is. With me having four stepkids, honey, some days I nachoed them all. Some days I nachoed one. I mean, it just, yeah. you do what you need to do to make things better for everybody in the blend, not just yourself. But a lot of times the stepmom, we get so burnt out and we get so resentful and we're so stressed out that we can't step back enough to see that other people in the blend are struggling too. Yeah. You know, David, he was struggling like crazy. He had me in one ear, the kids in one ear, the in-laws in one yeah. ear and everybody complaining about everybody and he just wanted it to stop. And so, you know, part of that too is realizing the impact that we can have and it can be a positive impact. Of course. I, you know, I just, as you're talking, I'm thinking about something. I go a couple times a week to a Pilates class. You know what that is? Pilates mm -hmm. exercise. I have a great instructor. I just love her. But 
we're, we're doing this exercise where you're lying on a, on a really stiff foam roller, you know, like a long tube mm-hmm. and, um, and you have your feet really, your knees bent and your feet are really close together. And then you have to take your arms off the floor and make them go up over your head. So it's really balancing. Like mm-hmm. you have hardly anything to balance and it's really, really hard to do. And at first you just keep falling over and you have to put your arm down or whatever. But she says, you know, this is hard at first, but just keep trying. And she said, your nervous system is going to figure this out. Yes. And you'll see the next time you do it, it will be easier. And it's actually true. You do it it day after day and you go, hey, I couldn't do this at all yesterday. And Mm -hmm. now it's so easy. And I love that phrase, your nervous system is going to figure it out. Because your family is like a nervous system with all the parts connected, you know, and you're, you're doing something that's going to make it feel really unbalanced. Mm-hmm. for a little while but it's the whole system the whole family system is going to figure it out and rebalance itself in in a better balanced way and you're going to come back in to something that is working functionally instead of being dysfunctional right with, and it with takes new better patterns yes and it takes time of course we didn't get in this mess overnight it's not going to be fixed overnight and we have to be able to give ourselves grace and everybody else too, because one of the things that I remember with the stepkids is I would wake up and I'd be like, you know what, Branson did this yesterday, and I was still mad about it, and later that day, I'd think about it again, and I'm like, oh, he just gripes my nerves, okay, why did I do that, to keep myself riled up, one of the things that I learned was to give those kids a clean slate every day, Mm. Because I don't want what I did wrong yesterday brought up to my face every day. <laughs> you know, we all make mistakes. Yeah. If you said something to your husband yesterday, you don't want him to bring that up today. You want a clean slate. Yeah. And if you don't have a clean slate, you're not moving forward. You're always looking back at the bad things that happen. And of course, whatever you focus on will grow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah, I know you get it. Well, the, the last thing that occurs to me that I want to mention about who wouldn't be a good candidate for nachoing mm-hmm. is somebody who really needs to learn only by their own experience. They need to do the way they think it should be until they've used up every possible strategy that they could ever imagine to mm-hmm. see that none of them worked. They, right. they really need to... They just don't want to take somebody else's advice. They have to try by trial and error everything mm-hmm. that they think until they get out of options. Right. I mean, maybe when they're out of options, they'll look at nachoing, but until you've passed through what you need to do to get there, it might not be the time for you to, to, to think about the nacho method. You're not there yet. You're not ready for right. it. You're still, you're still trying to, you know, do what makes sense to you. Right. Um, instead of, trying something that at the moment doesn't make any sense to you. Exactly. Exactly. And I know um, with us, we had tried everything, you know, the nacho thing was a last ditch effort to save my marriage. I mean, we were really one phone call away from divorce. I was done. He was done. And it really is um, astonishing that we came back from that because I'm usually one of these people when I'm done, I'm done. And I was, I was done. What was holding me back was I love David. Mm-hmm. He, he was an awesome person. And I knew that. Plus I didn't want to uproot my son. 
So those were the two things that were keeping me from just running out the door. And I've told you before how many times I sat on that front porch and cried and think, what in the world did I do marrying a man with four kids? <laughs> and we, we had prepared, Tracy. We thought we knew that we had a good you know, leg up on it. You know, yeah. we weren't blind to it. We knew yeah. it wasn't going to be easy. But honey, I tell you what, it is just amazing that there's no way to prepare somebody. And then when you do get to that point where you've tried everything because you think your way is best or you think that other people are crazy what they're doing, I just hope that you are open-minded enough to try not showing before you give up on your marriage. Oh, I agree. 100%. When I, when I see that in a Facebook group, I'll see somebody say, I'm done. I've tried. I've done everything. I'm like, please, please, please just look into the Nacho Kids method. Join the Academy for 30 days. Tell I us mean, about the Academy a little. Okay. The Nacho Kids Academy is something that my husband and I, David, created to teach the Nacho Kids method to people. Um, we found that Facebook was not the best platform for that. Um, we can't answer a question on a Facebook post and teach you the method. I mean, it really takes time and yeah. there's a lot to it. Like you said, it's more than just disengaging. Yes, it is. And so currently there's, I think, 23 video courses um, wow. with David and I. One of them, he did it by himself, the men's only. Yeah. And he told me I couldn't listen to it. Um, then we have the anonymous community. So I don't even know who you are. Oh, and wow. Yeah. So you can comment on the videos. You can ask us questions. David and or I are both active in it at least once a day. We have the challenges. We do um, month long challenges. Uh, for instance, we've got the Nacho Kids Boot Camp and that lasts a month and I run those for three months. That way, if you come in in the middle, you can still do it. Um, we had a change your stinking thinking, a self-love yeah. challenge. And then we have live Q and a coaching calls every two weeks. And with we you really, and David, yes, with me and David, um, we say they will last an hour, but I'll be honest with you. A lot of times these things run three hours. Wow. Um, and if you can't join the call, you can submit a question and we will answer it at the beginning. And then we post the calls afterwards for people to listen to. So there's over probably 60 hours of previous Q and a calls for people to listen to also. Oh, that's, that's it's great. Yeah, it's basically having support to learn how to nacho every day. Either it's not just when you say learn how to nacho, you're talking about how to set up your your family for success for all the rest of your days. I mean, it's, yes, we, you know, learning how to nacho is a cute phrase, but the meaning behind it is, you know, learning how not to get divorced, learning how to keep your family together, learning, learning how, how to, to keep be your happy. mouth shut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. And um, I know people think I'm crazy when I say this. They already think I'm crazy, but not showing it really is a way of life more than it is just to help in the blend because it has helped me so much with my stress. Mm -hmm. If riding down the road, I would have never thought that I would have pulled over and let a car get past me. Normally, I'd have tapped on the brakes. Oh, you get ready to eat the butt of a Honda, dude, you know, whatever. <laughs> Now, you're not going to steal my joy. I will pull over, wave at you yeah. because it's, it's not my, I can't control it. So I'm letting it go. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And we've Wonderful. had people join the Academy and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a member till the day I die because it 
has changed their life so much, not just with their significant other, but with work. Yeah. You know, they don't stress about the things they can't change. They take things that would normally be a negative and turn it into a positive. And one of my favorite things to talk about is ants. Automatic negative thinking. Yeah. And of course, that's in part of my challenges too, because I just love talking about it. We don't even think about what we put in our head. Yeah. We let crap pop in our head and then we run with it. Yeah. So on Wednesday, if the stepkids are coming on Friday, I'm already mad because I know that their book bags are going to be on the floor. They're going to complain about what I'm going to cook for dinner. They're going to whine about having to you know, pick up their clothes, whatever. So you're already stressed about it. So what makes you think when they come on Friday that you're going to have a decent time? Mm. You're not. Yeah. Those automatic negative thoughts, the ants, yeah. Dr. Daniel Amen. <laughs> so um, I'm going to put a link for the Nacho Kids Academy uh, in the show notes for this episode so that people can follow it up or they can just uh, find you at nachokids.com. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes, nachokids.com. Nachokids.com is the website. Nachokidsacademy.com is, you know, the direct link to the membership site. And then there's the Nacho Kids Blended Family Success Facebook group, Nacho Kids page and Facebook. You're you can find over. us anywhere. You're yeah. all over. Okay. Yeah. And, and again, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes for this. Lori, thank you so much. Thank you, Tracy. I'm really grateful for you to have taken the time to do this. And um, in a couple of weeks when we start uh, Stepmom Success Lab, people will have another opportunity to see you because we're, you're doing something really special for us. So I'm going to, I'll tell all about that on another, on another episode. Thanks yes. again so much. Give my love to David. I will. Thank you. Okay. If I were a new stepmom or a struggling stepmom or a curious stepmom, I'd be at least taking a peek at the Nacho Kids Academy. Lori and David have built a great community there. And they even offer to let you try it for a month. And if it's not your cup of tea, they'll refund your membership. I'm going to give you a link to learn more. And if you sign up, you'll be supporting this podcast at the very same time. So go do it. Head over to bit.ly slash essential nacho. That's bit.ly slash essential nacho. And at least take a peek. If it saves your marriage and your family... I calculate that it will have been worth about 500 times the price of admission. If it turns out to be not everything you were hoping for, you won't be out a penny. That's bit.ly slash essential nacho. I'll put it in the show notes for today's episode. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate or review us on iTunes. That's the very best way you can help other high-performing, alternative-thinking stepmoms to stumble onto this show and discover a community of like-minded listeners around the world. According to Anchor FM, the platform I'm recording on, we're being heard now in 36 countries. I find that really exciting. If you're a social media kind of person, you're welcome to join my Facebook community by sending a join request to The Spectacular Stepmom. If you'd rather just get a more intimate weekly email from me, send me a message with the subject weekly email 
to info at essentialstepmom.com. Finally, I'd love to hear from you with questions or comments or situations you'd like me to address on this podcast. You can leave a voice message right here or send